We're starting off a series. Guess what it's on? Close. <laughs> series is called TGIF. It's going to be a four-month series. Some of you are like, oh no. <laughs> but I'm excited. This month we're talking about truth. But then we're going to talk about godliness. And then we're going to talk about influence. And come August, we're going to talk about finishing. And I'm excited about it. And I was so excited. I was like, i got to wrap all this up into one thing. And, and as I thought about it and prayed about it, I was like, TGIF. Because for years, everybody thought, man, that's a great restaurant. Man, that's an okay restaurant. Do you remember that, TGI Fridays? you remember that? Yeah, it's an okay restaurant. But I thought it's a good way for us to remember some of the foundations that we need to be reminded of. It's a good way for us to remember the foundations that we need to continue to build on. Truth, godliness, influence, and finishing. And over the next four months, we're going to go a little bit deeper into those things. So in this world of truth, as we look at it today, if I say Bama or Auburn, you would say? Okay. If I say coffee or tea, you would say? Neither. (laughs) We'll pray for you. (laughs) If I say over easy or over medium, some of you are going to say scrambled because you don't like either one of those on your eggs. What about crinkle fries or skinny fries? Everybody knows it's crinkle fries. Skinny? Uh, Well done or rare? There's only one way to eat a steak, people. Yeah. What if I said, where does life come from? Okay, which came first in life, the chicken or the egg? Uh, should Americans have free health care? Is global, global warming real? What should we do with poor people? What's better, fame or wealth? Republican or Democrat? Where does life begin? Who defines right and wrong? How do you define right and wrong? Hey, do you ever just look at Jesus like he's a part of your life just to get what you want? How would you describe your worldview? Boy, it got serious all of a sudden, didn't it? We started with football and coffee and tea and now we're all in my business. In this room, and those of you who may be following along on the internet, I'm sure there are many different points of views As I asked these questions, each of you came up with different answers, some answers that weren't even offered in this little survey. And just in that couple of questions, we have different perspectives, different opinions. Hey, what's the best kind of music? The kind you like. Who's the best football or baseball player? The one you like. Where's the best place to go on vacation? The place you want to go to. What's the best color? The one you like. See, when we were in school, we were taught that this is a little thing called fact versus opinion. But this isn't just a school test. This is life. And unlike algebra, we will actually use this in real life. (laughs) The problem is that many times in life, we allow truth to be relative to what we like and what we dislike. The reality is, sometimes... Truth doesn't really matter what you like or dislike. It's still truth. Sometimes we accept ideas so passionately that we are willing to fight for them. We even turn our opinions into our own version of the truth. 
It's what we do. It's how we justify things. It's how we, how we move forward sometimes. What's, what's the problem with this kind of thinking, this justification? Let me ask you this question. And you don't have to answer this out loud. But what are you willing to go to the mat for? What are you really willing to fight for? Are there some things in your life, some places in your life where you just will not compromise? Today, as we begin this series, our TGIF series, and we focus in on truth and what we should know of truth, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to examine your worldview based on the truth of God's Word. Not based on your personal preferences, hot sauce or ketchup, because everybody knows it's hot sauce. Not based on what you think you want, but I want you to examine your worldview based on the truth of God's Word. You see, every one of us has a worldview, whether we, you want to realize it or not. If you are breathing, you have a worldview. You have things that in your mind you believe are true. We all have certain presuppositions, pre, uh, biases, if you will, that affect the way we view all of life and reality. And just so we're on the same page, I want you to everybody understand this. Your worldview is like a set of lenses, if you will, that really taint your vision or alter the way that you perceive the world around you. It's what you're running everything through as you decide. Your worldview, so you know, it's formed by how you've been raised. Your worldview is formed by your education. Your worldview is formed by your friends, your relatives, the culture that you grew up in. Your worldview is formed by the books that you read, the media, the social media, the movies that you watch. For many people in our world today, your worldview is something that you have absorbed from the surrounding influences. And maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's teachers. Some people have never thought strategically about what they believe or what their worldview really is. They wouldn't really be able to give a rational defense of their beliefs to others. Andy uh, tells our youth group all the time, year in and year out, they, they've got to get tired of hearing it. He even said it last night at our graduation dinner for our seniors. Know what you believe. Know what you believe. And he tells them that. He says, know what you believe because when you get to the university, your beliefs are going to be challenged. When you get to your career job, your beliefs will be challenged. It's important that you know what you believe because your worldview affects all parts of your life. Your worldview is what you use to gauge if it's okay to cheat on a test or if it's okay to steal from the man come tax time. Your worldview is what helps you decide whether to recycle or not. It's your worldview that helps you decide whether you're going to vote Democrat or Republican or Independent or Tea Party or whatever other party they came up with lately. Your worldview helps you to decide whether you want to continue to allow human trafficking to happen in America. Your worldview helps you decide whether you should sleep in on Sunday or go to church. You see, our worldviews can be very diverse. Don't believe me? Consider different religions for a moment. I know some of you are thinking, whoa, now you're treading on thin ice. I want to say I'm not condemning anyone. I'm not throwing shade here. I'm just stating that different religions view the same things differently. Catholicism, Mormonism, Amish, Baha'i, Buddhism, Taoism, Muslim. The worldviews based on just these few religions are very different on many levels. Think about how you value your time. 
Think about how you value your money. Think about your beliefs. Think about how you value work, how you value friends, how you value family. Which one of these wins out over the others? And my point here is that we live in a complex world and it's getting smaller. Thanks to the internet, thanks to FaceTime and Zoom meeting and things like that, we can interact with the world literally anytime we want to. And something we need to remember as we interact with the world, not everyone looks or thinks just like we do. But on that note, I want to share with you a truth. Jesus has called you to the challenging task of being the salt and the light in the world around you. If you're a Christian and you can write this down and you can tweet about this, your word, excuse me, if you're a Christian, the word of God should be the greatest influence on your worldview. That's truth. If you're a Christian, the word of God should be the biggest influence you have. They're the biggest thing that influences you in your life on your worldview. We're going to spend some time today in the book of Colossians. You can go ahead and turn there. But I want to encourage you to read through this book this week. And I want you to consider your worldview as you do. As you guys are turning to Colossians, I want to talk to you about a friend of mine from Bible college. His name was Jesse, is Jesse Keg. Not was, it still is. His name's Jesse Keg. And he is involved in, in a mission called Mid-India Church Partners. And I had the opportunity to reconnect with Jesse back at ICOM back in November when I went up to, to ICOM. And he and I got to talking about what he's doing. He's serving at a church in Central Florida, but a big part of what he's doing in that church is working with this group, this Mid-India uh, Church Partners. And I was listening to him talk about India, and I was listening to him talk about the kingdom work that's happening there, and, and um, it really encouraged me to learn more about this country, to learn more about the regions and the, the places throughout India. And, and I got to, to reading different things and, and watching YouTube videos, because everybody knows that's a great source of um, information. <laughs> so I was watching these different things about India and about different... Um, areas of India, and I can honestly say, and, and also in having conversations with Jesse, that India is one of those places that kind of just, it comes into all of your senses at once. I haven't been, but as I've talked, like I said, Jesse has been, and he says it can be overwhelming, and nowhere is India more overwhelming than a place called Rishikesh, and, and I've read about Rishikesh, and it's really a beautiful setting. The pictures are, are beautiful. It's this lush mountain where the river makes its appearance from the Himalayan mountains. And Rishikesh could be like one of those family resorts. It could be like a four or five star, really beautiful place. But unfortunately, it's not. As you come down off the mountain and you look at the river and the, the fog that rises off the river, I'm told, mixes with the smell of animal dung and hundreds of outdoor fires and strange incense. And being burned to colorful idols made by human hands in there, just everywhere. And this, what could be a beautiful city, is just cluttered. Gurus line the river in palaces where the British Raj would have once holidayed. The spiritual advisors are all along the riverbanks in huts where, for a price, they'll tell you how to give up your mind through idolatry and drugs and through supporting them and become free. When you think about that, the reality is this is what the Beatles did. They went and they spent time at Rishikesh 
It's what many celebrities do. They get to that place and they're like, oh, I need a, I need a place. And, and look into some of your favorite celebrities. And if they're honest in their biographies, they're going to tell you they've spent time here like the Beatles. And they come back and they bring back this experience back over to the West. You see, in Rishika, Rishikesh, there are countless cows roaming like protected divas through the village. There's a gentleman there who has been ministering in this area since 1964. His name is Dr. David Fiol, F-I-O-L. And he said this, he said, This mountain is called a holy place, but in fact, the whole pantheon of Indian gods is being worshipped actively. And a sort of ancient Asherah pole has even been set up for fertility worship. He says, I think that seeing Rishika in real life would be kind of like being dropped into ancient Canaan. Dr. Fuel says the whole system of castes, which really keeps human beings down through idol worship, drugs, and cows that are believed to be of greater worth than humans, along with poverty and polygamy and some of the worst filth you can imagine. He says this whole religious system is built on a myth. See, what you need to know about that is that ideas have consequences. Ideas affect all aspects of life. You know, our nation was built on an idea. An idea that that there is a God who made us, that human life is made in the image of that God. It has dignity. An idea that we should not be made to worship any one place, that we should have freedom to do that. But the reality is, the further our nation gets from the absolute truth of God, the more we'll begin to look like Rishikesh. Rishikesh, in my opinion, stands as a sad example of what happens when human beings reject the truth of one true God. It's what happens when people begin to worship idols. It's a worldview that is false. As a Christian, as a husband, as a father, as a man who believes that the truth sets us free and lies put us in bondage, I'm bringing you this message and I'm going to plead with you this morning. Every one of you, listen to God's word and pray that you will live out his truth. For what we're going to hear today from God's word will keep your life from becoming a Rishikesh. It's also the truth that's needed to transform places like Rishikesh. It's that truth that is needed to transform a place like Huntsville, Alabama. To be a whole city that honors God. See, when the Apostle Paul wrote his pers- this prison letter to Colossae, he was writing to a church that seemed to be struggling with something. And if you read through the Colossians, you'll, you'll come up with your own ideas of what they're struggling with. But in a word, they struggled with what's called syncretism. Syncretism. Syncretism in faith, is trying to have it both ways. Syncretism is worshiping the God of the Bible and living within all the heathen things that we like to do. That's what was happening at Colossae in that church. Paul emphasizes to these people Christ and Christ alone. In doing so, he urges them to adopt a particular worldview. And I want to urge you to adopt that same worldview because we don't need to be doing both things. Paul's worldview is that Jesus is Lord of all and nothing that is can be separated from our life in Christ. I found three propositions in Colossians that will, I think, strengthen our worldview that are based on truth. The foundation of these ideas about God and ourselves that builds new lives and transforms whole cultures. I'll use three words to help us see what Colossians teaches us about our worldview. The first one is reality. You can write, down, write that one down. 
reality. You see, a biblical worldview is established on truth. I'm going to share with you out of Colossians 1, 13 through 20. And I'm happy to say that a Christian worldview is not based on myth. It's based on truth. A truth that existed in the mind of God, but was revealed in history in a way that we understand it best. It was revealed to us personally in the person of Jesus Christ. In Colossians 1, Paul launches into one of the most awesome affirmations of the lordship of Jesus, in my opinion, in all the scripture. Let's look at Colossians 1, um, verses 13 through 20. He says here, it says, For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. Are you tracking this? Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Where is he in your life? Is he holding first place? The next verse says, For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Did you see that? In in verse 13, Paul tells us Jesus has the power to deliver us. And he shows us that whether you want to admit it or not, we need deliverance from the bondage. It's a condition of all human beings. We need deliverance from sin. In in verses 13 and 14 together, it shows us that Jesus transfers us to a new position where we have forgiveness of sins before God. Jesus, in, in verses 15 and 18, Jesus is the creator of all. Moreover, all things exist for him. Jesus is the center of everything that is. I'm building your worldview for you in case you weren't sure about it. In in verses 19 through 20, Jesus is the very expression of the Almighty God in the flesh. And he came to reconcile all things to himself. His word is ongoing and it continues to this day in your life, in my life, and in our world. All institutions, all nations, all human endeavors, as well as the entire cosmos will bow down to the supreme lordship of Jesus Christ eventually. No exceptions. It will happen. And the centerpiece of how he is doing this is through his sacrifice on the cross. What does that tell us about a biblical worldview? It tells us that this is truth. The truth of the preeminence of Christ in creation. You see, the thing about worldviews, all worldviews begin by answering the question, how did it all begin? And the answer from God is the whole world was created by and for Jesus who existed before the world and that the world is sustained by him. To embrace any other story for how we are here will lead to heartache, violence, and utter chaos, to be frank, on the human spirit and our life on earth. You know, there's a memoir by the personal secretary to Adolf Hitler And I didn't read the whole thing, but I got some excerpts from it. And in it, you'll read this. Hitler cared more for dogs than for human beings. 
His secretary revealed that he was a thorough, a thoroughgoing Darwinist who simply believed we all came from the same beginning and only the strong survive. Remember what I just said, to embrace any other story for how we are here will lead to heartache, violence, and utter chaos on the human spirit and life on earth. And here written by Hitler's secretary is the thought that he held dogs at more high esteem than human beings. That he believed we all came from the same beginning and only the strong would survive. Don't let the world fool you. Ideas about creation have consequences. A biblical worldview is grounded on the truth of creation, that the Lord Jesus is how we all came to be. That gives hope to life. Paul teaches that we had to be delivered from sin. And the reality is, if humankind is, is zooming off through the years, most of us on earth see the problems we face. There's pain, there's hunger, there's selfishness, there's lies, there's cheating, there's all this stuff. And if life is a ride through the cosmos, we can all agree that Houston, we have a problem. What's the problem? Marx says the problem is caused by landowners and capitalists. Darwin says the problem is caused by an evolving but meaningless environment that pits man against man and only the strongest survive. Hinduism says the problem is it's all bad karma. I could go on and on, but the Bible speaks to the heart of it. As Adam fell, we also fall. Paul says in Romans, like it or not, we are in sin. Our sin is not from victimization. It's not from a lack of education. It's not because we don't have an opportunity or some social or political problem. Our sin is endemic to the human condition. We commit sin because we have free will. And, well, we're sinners. It's a key component to a biblical worldview that, yes, can be offensive to some people. Newsflash, though. Christians still sin. Christians still struggle. Christians still make mistakes. It's not an excuse to keep on living in those moments. It's not an excuse to go back and revisit the same sin over and over again and go, oh, just, I'm just a human. I'm going to sin. It's not an excuse, but it's what we do. We struggle. And we have to admit that. Now, I know you heard me. Now, hear me. As Christians, we are made new in Christ. We should be walking in a new way because of forgiveness through Jesus Christ. We should not keep going back. That's why in Matthew it says, when you put your hand to the plow, don't look back. I've talked about that before. If you're a farmer and you're plowing a field, whether you're driving a tractor or doing it the old-fashioned way, if you're a teenage driver, teenage driver, you got your hands at 10 and 2, and if you happen to turn your head, that's the same way you're going to turn your vehicle. It happens. Don't look back to what you used to be. Don't go back to that. Don't go on sinning. No, be different. We should be walking in a new way because of forgiveness through Jesus Christ. The reality is we are sinners. We cannot save ourselves. When Christ comes into our life, we can walk in a new way. And anything other than that is a false worldview. In short, the truth of the cross, the truth of the cross of Christ is our redemption. That's the answer to the human problem of sin. In, in Rishikesh, India, redemption is thought to come through reincarnation, through a migration up the caste system, through dying again and again and again. And if you, if you suffer and serve enough in one life, you'll eventually get yourself promoted as you die and come back to something worthy on earth. The reality is that redemption, the release from sin, comes from a loving, personal God who made us and who came to earth and lived a perfect life 
and died a sacrificial death for us. His name is Jesus. And there is no other name under heaven on the earth or, or whereby a person may be saved. This is the truth. If you have a worldview that's built on anything other than the truth of Jesus Christ in his word, you are building a life based on a myth. There is a God who has created you. Sin has separated you from our God, and there's nothing you can do to remedy your own wretched situation, whether you are naked and living on a street somewhere or dressed in Brooks Brothers and living in a suburban home. You need a biblical worldview that says, I've been a sinner, I need the Lord, and that Lord is Jesus Christ. It's a nutshell version of it. Here's the second word that helps us to learn about a biblical worldview from the book of Colossians. It's resistance. Because the harsh reality is this. A biblical worldview is not a popular thing in our world today. You see, a biblical worldview is going to be assaulted by lies from the world. It's going to happen. That's why it's important that you know what you believe. Colossians 2 verses 4 through 8 says, I say this so that no one will delude you with persuasive argument. For even though I am absent in body, nevertheless, I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith. Where? In Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. And these are some of my favorite verses. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in Him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Folks, there is in every advancement of the gospel a resistance to it. Look throughout even our own history. In Colossians 2.4, Paul speaks of the, of the Colossians as being deluded by persuasive arguments. Meaning, seemingly logical answers to questions about the human condition, but answers that are contrary to God's grace in Jesus Christ. In 2.8, Paul says, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. This is the heart of my burden today. I look at our country and I see that we are in, a, in large part, we are living off of the spiritual capital of previous generations. Many have thrown off Christ-centered, God-revealed ideas that have brought life and happiness. And many people today, even in the church, are being tempted to give in to lies that assault God's truth. And destroy the foundations of a godly life and a godly nation. What assaults true faith? What destroys a biblical worldview? Paul mentions them. Philosophy. Deceit. According to human tradition. The elementary teachings of the world. All of these were being offered to the Colossians along with their Christianity. You see, one of the greatest assaults then with the Colossian church and today is syncret... It's a hard word to say... Syncretism. It's the mixing of true faith with idolatry and false ideas. Uh, there's a story of a pastor in India. And he became a pastor, but he had three wives. And as the story goes, he was challenged by a missionary about 
having three wives being unbiblical? And his answer was, well, no one within the church has a problem with it. And the church is growing. That was how he justified having three wives. How is the world assaulting your worldview today? Is syncretism mixing in the old gospel truth of Christ with a new multi-faith, multi-belief, multi-gender mixture that helps us look fashionable with one crowd and faithful with another? I fear that the greatest assault is simply compartmentalizing our faith and leaving Christ in the box that's called church and not taking Him with us when we go. It's one of the reasons you hear me say that all the time. Now it's time to go. And as you go, take this little nugget. Take one thing from what I've shared with you today and go tell it to somebody. Don't go and leave Jesus here in these four walls. The truth of Jesus Christ, according to this passage, is He must be all in all. Jesus Christ is Lord of education. He is Lord of your work. He's the Lord of art. He's the Lord of music. The Lord of entertainment. The Lord of money. The Lord of business. The Lord of politics. The Lord of lords. See, that, 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 that one statement that He is the Lord of lords encompasses all that. He cannot be mixed. He cannot be hidden. He is Lord of all. Well, how does this worldview work its way out? Well, that's our third word, and that's remedy. The remedy is we need to advance a biblical worldview and its faithfulness. We need faithfulness to advance that. Faithfulness to Christ Jesus in all areas of our lives is how we bring this worldview to bear. There are two ways this happens. Faithfulness in proclaiming Jesus Christ through teaching and through how we choose to live our lives differently than everyone else and being a reflection of Him. Go back up to the beginning of Colossians in chapter 1, verses 27 and 29. Paul says that God is proclaiming Christ as the hope of glory to the Colossians. Brothers and sisters, a biblical worldview that brings new life and transforms culture comes from teaching Jesus Christ. It's the work of every Christian. This is the responsibility of every person at Huntsville Christian Church. Our task as God's people is to teach the Word of God and get that Word to the ends of the earth. That's why I said, I tell you, go every week and share what we've talked about with someone. Our mission statement here is win, commit, grow, and go. I've I've changed it around a little bit, though. I hope it will encourage you to, to act on our mission same words, just a new format. Ready? This is great. I think it's, it's genius. It was actually brought to my attention by someone much smarter than me. And they said, why don't you say it this way? Go to win and commit to grow. Leave this place. We must be a church where people are leaving, where we are going to win others into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't want to win people to Huntsville Christian Church. That's not the win. The win is introducing them to Jesus Christ and, and bringing them into a relationship with him. And we need to be willing to disciple them in the faith as they grow. They will be discipling others. We also need to be a church that is committed to grow ourselves. That means, as a Christian, you should commit to grow. See how that works? Go to win and then commit to grow. As an individual, you need to be committing to growing in the Word. Are you willing to do that? The Bible says a spiritually mature Christian is a Christian who is sharing the Word of God and discipling others. That, that's a biblical definition. I can show it to you many different places. But here's the question. Are you a mature Christian? Are you willing to win? Are you willing to go to win? And are you willing to commit to continue your, your spiritual growth? 
Folks, I'm convicted by what I read in Paul's letter to the church in, Col- in, in Colossae. I listened to him in Colossians 1, 28 and 29. He said, we proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. See, that's go. That's on us as Christians. That's not to the pastor. That's not to the elder. That's to the whole church in Colossae. And we can learn from that. For this purpose, I also labor, striving, according to His power, which mightily works within me. We must not settle for being a mile wide and an inch deep as individuals or a church. We must live faithful lives proclaiming Jesus Christ through, through living as a reflection of Him. In chapter 3, Paul puts legs on this theology. All of the teaching about the preeminence of Christ in all things leads to this. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 says, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ... By the way, has anyone in here been raised up with Christ? Let me see a hand. Show of hands. Have you been raised up? Be proud. Have you been raised... Don't... Yeah, get them up high. Come on. Lindsay, get your arm up. There. If you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Brothers and sisters, our worldview is best lived out through not only teaching God's word to others, but through faithful living. Paul mentions putting off immorality and putting on compassion and kindness and humility and meekness and patience, bearing with one another He says that in Colossians also. There's so much from this book. He speaks of forgiveness and love. Paul speaks of these things because these things bring peace in the midst of this old world we live in. As we come to our response time this morning, I want to read Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 14 with you. But from those who were of high reputation... What they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Well, those who were of reputation contributed nothing to me. But on the contrary, seeing that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised, for he who effectually worked for Peter in his apostleship to the circumcised effectually worked for me also to the Gentiles. And recognizing the grace that had been given to me, James and Cephas and John, who were reputed to be pillars, gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship so that we might go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They only asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I I also was eager to do. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For prior to the coming of certain men from James, he used to eat with Gentiles, but when they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision. For the rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy, with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, in, this, in the presence of all, if you being a Jew live like the Gentiles and not like the Jews, how is it that you compel the Gentiles to live like Jews? Here's the thing. How are you going to live in our world? You're called to live like Christ. We're not called to walk a line, and that's basically what was happening there. On one side, they were doing one thing, and on the other, they were doing another. And he called them out. You can't. You were called to live one way.
I hope you'll read through Colossians this week because I believe that the truth of a biblical worldview is the foundation that creates new life and transforms human culture. We've learned three truths from Colossians about this worldview. Reality, resistance, and remedy. The truth is a biblical worldview is established on the reality of God's truth. And a biblical worldview that's established on the reality of God's truth is going to be assaulted. It's going to be met with resistance. But it's okay because the remedy of all that lies in the way that we advance God's truths in faithfulness. You see, Jesus, he's an all or nothing kind of guy. He was all in from the very beginning in creating and coming to live with us in the example he set in the way that he was willing to die for us all in from the very beginning. And now that you know the truth, what will you stand for? What will your worldview look like going forward? As we stand and sing our response song this morning, I can only ask that you'll respond accordingly to God's word. If you'd like prayer, you're not sure where this starts for you. The elders are here. They'd love to pray with you. Maybe for you, the, the first step of the transition to your, your worldview is being baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The baptistry is ready. But right now, will you stand with me and let's take a moment to sing and respond to God's will. It's been great to be here with you all this morning to worship with you, to challenge you in God's Word. But now it's time to go. As you go this morning, make sure you go down the hallway and bid on your favorite cake, pastry, or otherwise drizzling in chocolate coffee beans. I'm looking at you, Rick. I see what you did back there. You're trying to take them from me. <laughs> Seriously, though, as you go this morning, I pray that you've been encouraged in the Word this morning so that you can go to win this week to win someone into a relationship with Christ. And by the way, it starts with intentionality, having a cup of coffee with someone. And as you build your relationship with that person, you begin to promote Christ in it. It's not hard. Just share what he's done in your life. And while you're doing that, I challenge you all to make a new commitment. Commit to grow in his word. You see, we need to be mature believers that are willing to do the kingdom work of advancing the gospel here on earth. And that's the truth. It's time for us to go to win and commit to grow. Will you sing this last song with us?